0: Hello everyone and welcome to this edition of After the Final Whistle. I am your host, Brad Clear. It is Tuesday, December 17th, and one topic I really wanted to do an episode about, and that's going to be the topic of this episode today, recent signing here from the MLB free agency period. Um, Very happy that the free agent market largely developing, having a significant amount of signings in December, around the winter meetings time, rather than being stretched out and lasting into January and February as it did last year and has as it has done in years past. But a signing that just happened this week, Madison Bumgarner to the Arizona Diamondbacks. You know, we look at all the signings that have happened, Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg, Anthony Rendon, Dede Gregorius, Zach Wheeler, and others. But this Madison Bumgarner signing is pretty interesting and so we look at the actual contract itself baumgarner on a five-year deal 85 million dollars with 15 million of that 85 million dollar figure deferred uh, with no interest um, therefore making the present value five years for 81 and a half million dollars um with that deferred money an average annual over the next five years of 14 million dollars but the actual pay structure itself, $6 million in 2020, um, $14 million factoring in the deferrals in the second year, years three and four factoring in the deferrals, $18 million. And then in the last year, $14 million, no deferrals there. The deferrals are in years two, three, and four. Um, This signing is interesting, but it is also... A pretty weird one. So you look at this signing and the first thing that you look at and I gather from it is I think in the short term this contract will be of pretty good value. And when I say short term I mean within the next two to three years. Either for two years or three years this is going to be a real solid contract because we look at what The value of comparable starting pitchers is out there on the market. And we look at what pitchers of Bumgarner's quality and caliber go for when a team wants to bolster its rotation with another starter at the trade deadline when they're making that push to really contend into deep October. We look at the free agent price and the uh, trade package price that it costs for a pitcher of this caliber and... You know, even taking away the deferrals here, if it was five for 85 at a $17 million per year value, five for 70, where it's a $14 million a year value, I think that's pretty valuable. That is a pretty sizable value, in my opinion, whether it would be 14 million for each, or 14 million annual value for the five years, 17 million annual value for the five years. A number three starter who you know can eat. A lot of innings, and has performed at an elite level many, many times in the playoffs as a multi-time champion, that is someone who is a pretty significant value, I believe, in that number three starter role for a team looking to contend in a team in the playoffs. Now, of course, you know, Bumgarner is not the same player he once was. That's a fact, and I think we all know that, right? He's by no means at this point a frontline ace, and a lot of his statistics show decline. His home road splits last year and the year before, they're pretty bad. There's no way to sugarcoat it, especially last year. Pretty bad. And he has a lot of wear on his arm because, you know, you looked at, for example, him and Zach Wheeler, very close in age. Madison Baumgartner has thrown over 1,000 more innings in the regular season. Madison Baumgartner has routinely thrown over 200 innings many, I believe, seven times in his career. And on top of that, has pitched deep into the playoffs many, many times as well. So you're looking at a player whose wear on his arm exceeds that of which is typical for someone at his age. And frankly, that is why someone like Zach Wheeler, who his velocity is much higher, who has thrown 1,000 less regular season innings, and at being, uh, I believe, 10 months younger than Bumgarner, was able to get five for 118 and get over $30 million more than Bumgarner because that's a guy with a lot less wear on his arm who projects to be the caliber of pitcher he is now, which is better than Madison Bumgarner, but projects to be that caliber of a pitcher for a longer period of time than Madison Bumgarner does. And we look at just statistics from Bumgarner in last year um, for batters against him, hard hit percentage, the highest it's ever been. Barrel percentage, the highest it's ever been. Expected batting average and expected slugging percentage, the highest they've ever been for batters facing Madison Bumgarner. Mentioned the fact that there are a thousand more regular season innings on his arm than there is for Zach Wheeler, or than there are for Zach Wheeler. And you can see, even at 30 years old, That decline has already begun for Bumgarner. And then you factor in the fact that this guy has been a major starting rotation piece for the Giants since he was 20 years old. And with all those playoff runs and pitching over 200 innings seven times in his career, I said it already, the wear on Madison Bumgarner is a lot more than for someone you would typically expect at that 30 years old age. Even still, with all that being said and the fact that he's not the pitcher he once was and you can see that he is in decline, I think the overall consensus and view of Baumgartner as a pitcher, I, I think it's a bit lower than where it should be. Now, with that being said, am I comfortable you know, signing or having Madison Baumgartner for the next five years? No. I think years four and five, quite frankly, he's going to be a bad pitcher at that point in time, and his arm is going to be pretty much shot. But for the next two to three years as a number three starter, absolutely. I would definitely want to have Madison Bumgarner on my team. We look at his statistics uh, from this past year and the year before that, you know, his strikeouts per nine, walks per nine, and whip, they're all about the same or in the same range as they've consistently been throughout his career. Um, The one thing that was really interesting to note is his spin rate on his fastball is, and his velocity was slightly higher last year than years prior on his fastball, but his fastball spin rate, I believe is in the 87th percentile. You know, pretty significant movement on his fastball and threw over 200 innings last year. So, putting that all together, this is still a pitcher who can contribute for a winning team, not as a frontline starter, but as a middle-of-the-rotation starter. And I think looking at this contract, and looking at all those statistics and the state of Bumgarner as a pitcher that I just mentioned, I think that in a perfect scenario, I would have really, really, really liked this contract if it was uh, a true contender who was signing Bumgarner. And when I say, you know, a true contender... You know, a team like the Dodgers or a team like the Braves, um, teams like that, you know, not saying they were or weren't in on him, you know, obviously based on this contract, they were not in on Bumgarner if they were to that great of an extent. But if the contract for Bumgarner, if he was signing with either the Dodgers or the Braves or a real true contender who is a championship potential winning team, I would think that this contract would be really valuable because for those teams, the short term is, Is So incredibly valuable and for these teams that low average annual salary Would be very beneficial towards the uh, towards the tax and building out the rest of your roster So in a perfect scenario, those would be the teams Where this type of contract for a player like Bumgarner would have really maximized the overall benefit that he can bring to a team and again I think that if you're a true contender like that, as I just mentioned, you have that significant focus on the short term, you're okay, or you're able to stomach more the back end years four and five where the contract deteriorates, and the contract no longer brings value, and you're paying for a pitcher whose arm is clearly worn down, whose ERA is probably close to five. A proven playoff contributor, an innings eater, still a guy who can strike out a ton of batters, still a guy who his walk rate um, and his whip are still pretty much what they've been throughout his entire career, even with his clearly uh, declining ability because he's just aging and there's more wear on his arm. But I think for those types of teams, the benefits towards payroll and the benefits towards the um, significant experience in the playoffs in that number three starter role with that low average annual value, that would have been a great value signing for teams of that caliber. And then that's where the Diamondbacks come into this equation. The Diamondbacks are not that type of team, that true contender type of team that I just mentioned, where the value of Madison Bumgarner on this contract would have been maximized to the greatest extent. Now, to me, the Arizona Diamondbacks are a mediocre to slightly above mediocre, above average team. They, To me, in this window, that two- to three-year window where I think this contract really brings value, I don't see the Diamondbacks really progressing that much from that mediocre to slightly above-average team quality. I think that is the caliber of team that we're looking at, this Diamondbacks team being, for this two- to three-year period, where the contract's going to be pretty valuable. You know, we looked at them last year, they won 85 games. The year before that, they won 82 games. The year before that, they won 93 games. So, we put it all together. This is a team that does have talent. And this is a team who was only four games back of a wild card spot last year. So, this obviously helps. Because we obviously know they are very much the second place team in that NL West. This team... Helps in the sense of being able to pursue that wild card spot to a greater extent. But in the overall long term, I just think it's a bit weird because this is a very short term move, right? Mentioning how this is a player, Madison Bumgarner, who is outside of the short term window, is likely going to be a not good pitcher anymore because he's already in that decline. Um, he's already a number three starter, moving down from being an ace previously. With all the wear and tear on his arm, what's he going to be at 34 years old? And again, super in the middle or slightly above average team. And I think with the term of this contract, with it being five years, they run the risk now of being stuck with a pitcher in Bumgarner, a worn down pitcher making $14 million in the fifth year um, and $18 million in the fourth year, and then factoring in the uh, $15 million in deferred money that they'll have to pay him, uh, thankfully for them with no interest. And then at that point, you know, maybe this contract is, you know, pretty bad, and it hampers the ability you have to go out and build out the roster and add to the roster. Now, to alleviate that, yes, Yasmani Tomas's albatross awful contract, uh, that's up in 2020. So that alleviates some of the financial burden. And... Also, signing Madison Bumgarner allows you now to, in his walk year, have Robbie Ray, who attracted a lot of interest as far as a trade last year. It allows you really to be able to leverage Robbie Ray and to be able to maximize a return on him should you desire to make him available for trade and maybe add to other areas of need on the roster. And quite frankly, with the dollars that Ray would command if he had another good year, in his walk year now, I'm not totally sure... The Diamondbacks would even re-sign him next offseason. So, in that sense, you're killing two birds with one stone by signing Bumgarner, taking away the hole that would be there if you traded Ray, and being able to add elsewhere on your roster if you trade Ray. And then talking again about the whole long-term, short-term thing, I already talked about how it's advantageous, this contract is advantageous and beneficial in the short term. The way this is structured, the payout structure um, it's backloaded six million dollars is the entirety of the payment for the 2020 season and clearly that is done with the idea I would assume and it would appear to be that you can have more wiggle room and flexibility to have more dollars to use to add talent elsewhere on the roster and really be able to maximize the talent of your team to push for one of the two wild card spots so, I think clearly, even though this team is kind of in that middle ground, the way this contract is structured, and even really, quite frankly, by being willing to sign Baumgartner to a five-year contract when you know the back end is going to be pretty bad, this is a team who is playing and competing for the now. They are of the mindset where they want to win in the short term. And overall, let's just look at this move in its entirety overall with the low initial salary I just mentioned with the $6 million for the 2020 season. Not caring too much, obviously, about the five-year term. This shows that the Diamondbacks clearly want to make that postseason push ASAP and have a short-term mindset with their roster moves and how they build out this roster. Only finished four games back of the wild card last year. Have a lot of talent, as I mentioned, on this team. Kettle Marte is an absolute star. Last year, traded Zach Greinke. But in doing so, you know, you have the trade-off. You freed up a lot of money. Um, You traded him at a high value point. Got back prospects. that allowed you to stock the system in terms of quality and quantity. You know, Seth Beer is already their fourth best prospect. um, Got him back. Uh, Bukowskis is 11. Martin is 12. I remember when the trade was made, uh, it was Jeff Luno made a point i believe it was stated that um they really did not want to part with josh rojas who was the fourth uh piece traded in that trade coming back from houston to arizona and that that just gives you quantity and quality within the system um gives you players who are able to contribute and are controllable for a long period of time at a low cost overall though this is the situation with the arizona diamondbacks under mike hazen here as the general manager They are a team to me, I look at them this year, they're going to win 85 to 87 games. And they're going to be the second place team in the NL West, and they're going to compete throughout the season for that wild card spot, which they came close to getting one of the two spots last year and were in it for pretty much the whole year. They're clearly in a win now mindset and clearly really want to get one of those two wild card spots. So with that focus in mind, where it's clearly a short term get to the playoffs mindset, which the actions speak for themselves, that is the mindset here, I get this signing. Because you're getting a pitcher who is good in the playoffs, who throws a ton of innings, and you're getting him at a low average annual salary and in that payout structure even lower, which gives you a lot of value with building out your roster and the talent on that roster in the short term. And inevitably with that, with the deferrals and the backload nature of the contract, they're trying to just push off the burden of the contract as long as they possibly can. And I think it's going to come back to bite them at the back end of that contract just because, you know, really 34-year-old Madison Bumgarner is not going to be someone who's going to be a dependable, a dependable counted-on pitcher as a number three starter as he is now. But again, you, you look at the years with that short-term focus for this team that, Even with that short-term focus and more wiggle room with building out the roster, I don't see a way this team can escape that slightly above-average mediocre level. And in the long term, I don't think this deal is that great for the Diamondbacks because it kind of locks them into mediocrity and gives them what will end up being an albatross contract in the long term. And it just the, the overall contract itself, as I mentioned earlier, the benefits that could come and the value that could come from this type of contract for Madison Bumgarner, it, th- that contract and that player being on the Diamondbacks does not maximize the benefit and value that this player and contract could bring. Because the maximization of that value would be if it was a true contender signing Madison Bumgarner. I think that there would have been for a team like the Dodgers or the Braves. You know, I know the Braves made the one-year $18 million deal with Cole Hamels. You know, a short-term deal—you're not giving, um, or you're not locking yourself into into any long-term commitment. I think for a team like the Dodgers, I, I, you know, the years again are not great, but with the concern on payroll and the tax, the low average annual salary, I think would have been a real value in the short term to adding a real piece to that rotation with not expending a significant amount of dollars like you would have had to do uh, for someone like a Zach Wheeler. Like what's going to end up happening with Hunjin Ryu, uh, former Dodger, probably going to get $20 million a year for four years, Uh, may potentially happen with Dallas Keuchel. He may end up getting more than Madison Bumgarner got on a per-year average annual salary basis. So again, we don't know what the market was. It clearly seemed to have not developed to the point that Bumgarner would have liked because the initial thought would have been, oh, he'll probably get about $100 million, and frankly, he didn't come close to it. Um, I just think it's an overall really interesting signing, because you have a team who wants to be a playoff mainstay, who wants to get into the playoffs, who's in that middle ground, is probably kind of just there for this next short-term window, and is willing to take long-term consequence in order to to get that benefit and make it to the playoffs in the short term. And you have a pitcher who, in theory, you would just think of the name and think, oh, this guy should be more valuable than what he got. But he is a pitcher who is in decline, but at the same time is still pretty good. But that decline is kind of lowered to perception of him as far as his talent is concerned as a pitcher who can make a difference towards a winning team. And I just think this contract with the situations regarding the player, the term, the salary, the average annual salary, the deferred salary, and the team who actually signed him to this contract, I think it's really, really interesting. It has a lot of layers um, in comparison to looking at all of the contracts that were signed so far in free agency, the major contracts that were signed so far in free agency. I don't look at this Diamondbacks team as a team that's going to be able to make noise should they get a wildcard spot and win that wildcard game and make it to the NLDS. You know, I'm not a they're not a team that I look at and think that they could actually make noise in the playoffs. And quite frankly, I don't see a way that they can get up to that 90 win marker. And for Madison Bumgarner, you know, I think pitching in Chase Field, I think his ERA for the year, you know, I think with just that really strong, vast difference between his home and road um his home and road splits, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast last year and the year before that. You know, I, I think his ERA for the year will probably be slightly above four. And I think that his stats just each year are going to continuously get slightly worse and slightly worse. But the ability to eat innings and having that same strikeouts per nine kind of um, statistic that he's had in that same range as previous years. And that really high spin rate on his fastball. I think those are things that are going to allow him to continue to be a very productive pitcher um, in that kind of in a perfect scenario a number three starter in a rotation. Side note for the Diamondbacks, they made that trade with the Marlins last year, Jazz Chisholm for um, Zach Gallen. I like Zach Gallen. He's going to be a nice starter for them for a long time. But with that here, that is the end of this episode of the uh, After Final After the Final Whistle. Wow. My own podcast, and I'm butchering the name of it. The After the Final Whistle podcast here. Again, I am your host, Brad Clear. Really interesting signing with Madison Bumgarner. Just wanted to create... Um, a short episode regarding that to go over its many different layers. Um, again, overall, I think this is an interesting contract because it is lower than similar quality pitchers will get. An interesting player because he's good, but in decline. And he's viewed as probably being a little bit worse than he is. And a team who's kind of in an interesting situation who signed him. So, lots of layers here. Again, I'm your host, Brad Clear. Be sure to check back on podcast.com and Apple Podcast for more episodes of After the Final Whistle. Shout out to Madison Bumgarner and the Arizona Diamondbacks, and MLB Free Agency as a whole. And as always, to you, the listener, goodbye and good night.